What does Colgate mean by live life to the brightest? Could it be a rich glass of red sipped inside a Parisian cafe on a snowy night when my gaze is met by a tall, mysterious... I mean, brushing is directed with Colgate Optic White Pro Series Toothpaste gives you a visibly whiter smile in just three days so you can live life to the brightest and finish that glass without worrying about teeth stains. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. The One Tough Mother Podcast. The One Tough Mother Show is real talk with special guests, including industry leaders, celebrities, and amazing women who've overcome adversities to work their way to the top and are willing to share their real life lessons. Remember, you don't have to be a mother to be one tough mother. It's all about you. And hi, welcome to the One Tough Mother Show. And guess what? It's the Northeast, and it's raining. Rain, rain, rain. But it doesn't matter. We have an incredible, incredible show. I mean, this is one of those shows. In fact, I'm going to say this is the top show that kind of put me in a mood, I mean, over the edge. I mean, it was just like this incredible guest. But in the meantime, Seth, you sent me a picture last week. I thought maybe there was some... uh, neighbor or neighborhood issue it was a picture of your car looked like somebody took a baseball bat but that's not what happened what happened to you uh friday last friday i was uh, coming back from um we had to go down south jersey i was coming back up just like less than two miles from my house Uh, i think i think melissa yelled out uh she screamed out and i saw a deer the last second I slammed on my brakes and I just turned my head and this deer jumped and crashed into the windshield. Um, fortunately, bounced off the windshield, didn't uh, come through. I mean, the windshield was totally caved in, but didn't come through. Uh, and uh, we were okay. These two little ones in the car didn't even wake up. Uh, we were very, very lucky. Uh, it's just really strange. It barely any marks on the hood at all like you wouldn't i'd have to point them out to you this deer literally jumped up wailed into the windshield bounced off and died oh my god and seth it was broad daylight right 2 30 in the afternoon that's what blew my mind and you you know what you don't live where i live like i live in outer jabib like i live in the mountains i am surrounded by cornfields but you live like in a really really congested area there's tons of deer everywhere. I've seen like uh, there's been tons of deer. You just you could drive around the neighborhood and just see like five deer on someone's lawn. It's amazing um, to me. The street, there's a main street that runs through town. And it was just um we usually look out for them too. Like the night before Melissa's like, you know, look out for deer. And it just came out. It just flew out of nowhere. And you know, and Melissa has a picture of the deer too. It's on it's on Facebook. Um they're pretty, you know, first I thought it was small. It's a pretty good sized deer. Um, you know, I think it was still kicking a little bit. So we're very lucky they didn't come through the windshield kicking, you know. Yeah, so. so totally. And I don't even know. I mean, we have so many issues with deer. I mean, like, I'll come home from work at 1 o'clock in the morning, and deer are literally standing in my yard eating. Like, they don't go – I've had a couple in my backyard, but my backyard's completely fenced. They don't go – really to my backyard too often because I have three dogs, but 
boy, you turn around corner and there they stand, man. It's just like, holy cow. They're like having squirrels anymore. It's, um, yeah, it was, it was happened so fast. Like you didn't really have time to be scared. Just, just so it happened so quickly and just reminds you that, you know, things can happen in a split second. It's, it's just really scary. It is. I'm just happy that you're okay. When I got the picture, I was like, oh God, but I'm just happy it was okay. And it wasn't like a neighborhood incident because the first thing you think of, of course, is but no, I'm, I'm glad it worked out. So hurricane dude, what are you thinking? I was thinking about taking a ride down there and like getting a closer look. You know what? Actually, Seth, you say that in jest, but I've lived through hurricanes and tornadoes and I'm fascinated by them. Fascinated. What's wrong with you? I don't know. Like I, I literally would like to be like one of those hunters, like hurricane hunter or whatever they're called, because I love, uh, I don't know. I love lightning storms. I love thunder. I love the power of mother nature. And I just think about it and they are very frightening. And please, please, if you're being told to evacuate, please evacuate. Don't put anybody else's life at risk that may have to come in and try to help you out. But I am fascinated by storms. I know what the storm's thinking. (laughs) You know, it's funny too, because I think about that. I watched the weather because, you know, mail manager Ma has the weather on 92 different TVs in our house because we have to have a TV everywhere possible. You open the cabinet door to get a glass, there's a TV in there. But, um, (laughs) She watches the weather repeatedly and watches like the, the storm um, track and all this stuff. And I'm thinking, uh, please, it's good. Uh, so we, we predict and we feel the storm's going to do this and do that. And I'm just like, please, please just be prepared. And What's the name of the storm? Huh? What's the name of it? Florence. Florence. Oh, I thought it was like going to hit in Florence, South Carolina. I thought that was a town. Oh God, don't call me out, dude. I think it's, it's Florence. <laughs> I think you're calling me out. Yeah, I'm pretty positive it's Florence. This is how many times I've watched the weather. I mean, I've heard it because mom uh, has it running. I, I might be crazy. Well, whatever the case is, if you're in harm's way, if you're, if they're, if you're in an area, they're going, Hey, we suggest you evacuate, get the hell out. Okay. Oh, it's not even a question. You know, you know, they, um, the main highways, they, they actually changed the highway to all go West. Oh, they closed one of the main highways and just made it all go one way to help traffic. Well, there you go then. So, you know, get it moving. I mean, it's terrifying. I've lived in, uh, I lived in Hawaii during Hurricane Iwa. I've lived in tornadoes. Um, the storms are terrifying as, as mystified by them as I am. They're, they're just something that you can't predict completely and they are a force and they will And you're back. You said it's terrifying. And they are a force and they will definitely wreak havoc and destruction. So if they're telling you to move on, then move on. Okay. I mean, I saw one of the governors, I think it was actually Virginia beach was like, we're going to have people watching your things, you know, just please be safe personally. Don't worry about your belongings. You can replace them. We cannot replace you. Yeah. No, I agree with you 100%. That's not. Go ahead. Have we not learned enough from all the other ones? I mean, come on. Right, you... right. Here, no, hearing not. these stories, right. If you have a bomb shelter, like it's not going to work out. 
Right, right. Actually, uh, yeah. So anyway, I, I just want to get into today's show because I'll tell you what, I've done, uh, gosh, Seth, I don't know how many show we, shows we've done, probably a hundred. And um, today's show was just so amazing, today's interview. I mean, you, you may recognize today's guest, Aaron Cole, as the incredibly talented and famous wedding dress and accessories designer who's been dressed, she's been dressing discriminating brides around the world for over 20 years. Wow. She, she's been featured on Brides, Modern Bride, In Style Weddings, Inside Weddings, and People Magazine with exclusive and extensive editorial coverage in Martha Stewart's Weddings, The Knot, Brides Magazine, Town and Country, Inside Weddings, Riviera, and Star as well as being on on-air features on Good Day LA, Good Morning America, NBC InStyle Weddings exclusive, The Today Show, VH1 Morning Buzz, Say Yes to the Dress, Randy to the Rescue, and Glee. The Aaron Cole Collection can be found in over 175 stores around the globe. She's amazing. However, as elegant and unique as Aaron's designs are, that is not the reason that I agreed to have Aaron on our show today. It was Aaron's triumphant, heartbreaking, and sometimes hilarious life lessons that drew me to her. You see, Aaron recently published a book titled The Size of Everything. And in her book, this famous fashion icon chronicles her story of a childhood of physical and mental abuse, living in an impoverished home where she often had no access to food, or she was force-fed until she vomited, was beaten and belittled by her alcoholic parents, and constantly bullied at school. Raw, unimaginable, yet real, Aaron's book is a love letter to her siblings who it's proof positive that where you come from does not determine where you end up. And it's with extreme love and gratitude and overwhelming honor that we welcome to the One Tough Mother show, my new friend, this amazing, talented, awesome, rocking, off the wall, tough mother, Aaron Cole. Welcome. Oh. <laughs> Thank you. That was quite the intro. I love it. Thank you so much. You're so sweet. I am so honored to have you on the show. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I'm happy to do it. I'm very excited to finally meet you and uh, I'm glad to be here. And I'll tell you this, this is how much I'm excited to have you on the show. Just in case I ever get married again, which I won't because I'm already down to, okay? Never. <laughs> but it, just in case. <laughs> I am getting married in an Aaron Cole original. <laughs> Love it. Fantastic. I'll be there for you for sure. <laughs> I'm planning like 102, Aaron. So if you can hang out that long, I'll be 102 year old. You're going to fit an old wrinkly body, but that's how it rolls. I will make you look amazing. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, besides the fact that you've had this unbelievable career in, in wedding dresses and wedding attire and all the beautiful things that go with it, the jewelry and the veils and everything. You are now an author, which I am thrilled about. 
How's it feel? Um, it feels amazing. I mean, literally, um, I knew this was coming and I, I've known for a long time that I needed to write this book. Um, and it's just something that is completely from the heart and that I really wanted to write to be able to inspire other people. And, you know, if it can help even one person, um, you know, understand that we all have our story and we all have similarities and um, that you're, you know, you're, you may have grown up one way and it may have been difficult, but your past doesn't have to define who you are. That's so you can choose your path. You can choose any path you want. So that's really what um, the book is all about. And that's really what I wanted to um, convey to everyone. Erin, the size of everything. I mean, the title itself, I, I absolutely love. But I mean, the size of everything. How did that come about? How did you come up with that title? And, and what were your thoughts? Like, what did you put into that? Um, actually there is a, um, correlation with something in the book that will allow the reader to understand it. And it's all throughout the book that will make you go, oh my goodness, that is, it's hilarious actually. So the size of everything is, I don't want to give too much away, but I'm going to give you a little something that it's a universal clincher tagline that, um, my, crazy stepfather had and every time something would go down he was a marine and he had all these marine terminology he had all this you know banter that he used over and over and it was just like driven into us so when something would go wrong or he'd yell at somebody or something would happen he'd go ah oh, that's about the size of it and he'd get really pissed and he would throw this thing out there and you're like ah oh, what is the size of it like we all like would just be like what the hell does that mean <laughs> my whole life i'm like what the hell does that's about the size of it mean so in my eyes and in my humor I just laughed at it inside. I would never laugh at him because I wouldn't have been alive to write the book if that were the case. Cause he was very, he was, you know, we're talking about a person who had full PTSD, um, was a full alcoholic and half the time didn't even know what he was saying, you know? Right. So for him, that's where the, the, this is where the name came from because it was, I'm like, you know, what, what would I call the book? And literally the book name wrote itself. It had to because we were using this because it was hilarious. It is funny. Right. And we made it funny because it's something that I grew up with. And if I ever hear somebody say it, which it, I very rarely hear that, but when I do, I literally laugh out loud because I'm like, oh, yeah, it sure is. That's about the size of it. Oh, my God. Erin, <laughs> how many brothers? Now, talk to me about your siblings. How many brothers and sisters do you have? So I have um, my oldest brother is um, 62 now. And then I had a brother that was um, in between Pat and Jennifer. Jenny is my older sibling sister, who is uh, two years older than I am. And then Kelly was in between Pat and Jenny. Kelly passed away when he was 11. Okay, all right. So a, um, a sister that is from my dad and um, another woman. And uh, so she, her and I are very close also. So oh, she's my, I call her my real sister because she really is. That's amazing. So, so talk to me about like, how did you, how did you approach your brothers and sisters and say, hey, look, um, I'm going to do this? 
No, I did not. <laughs> you didn't, okay? Because I thought about that. I thought, like, do you approach them and say, hey, and then you have to take the brunt of whether they go, no, dude, you're not putting that out there, or? It's interesting because I'll tell you, I knew the story was going to be written, but whenever something major is going to happen in my life, whenever there's anything that is really big, um, I've always chosen never to talk about it. And the reason that is is because I feel like if you put it out there, then it takes the um, energy out of it and it takes like the um, it just takes the soul away from it. So I felt I always have felt like it's really important to go after something. If you really want to do it, just don't say anything. Just do it. And this is my what I've always lived by. I've always just kept quiet and then put it into action and then waited to see like what's going to take place here because I wasn't really sure and neither was Jenna. I'll be really honest with you. She really trusted me in writing this book and literally was like, hey, you know, what if we get like 30,000 words in and you're like, ah, that's all my stories, you know? Right. And the truth of the matter was, is like, I don't even know what 30,000 words is. I don't even know what that means. So for me, um, I said, let's just get going. And I don't think that's going to happen, but let's just get going and we'll, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. And she trusted me and I trusted her. And so I did, I kept it very quiet. I and did. Jenna, Jenna McCarthy is, is your friend who helped you with the book, right? She's my co-writer and we knew each other from about, um, literally 10 years ago, she wrote a story about me and, um, we interviewed together over the phone only. And I absolutely fell head over heels in love with her personality, her humor, her wit, her ridiculousness, and her brains are unbelievable. She's very, very smart. And, um, so we became, you know, Facebook friends or, or, you know, Instagram, Facebook, whatever it was. And, um, really just like, talk to each other periodically, not in any depth, but just, you know, how you do when you see friends on Facebook. And, but over the years, I sort of reached out to her, um, including the first time we talked, I asked her 10 years ago, hey, do you have any idea what I would do um, to start writing a memoir? What do I need to do? Do I write it? Do I type it? What do I do? What do I need to do? And she's like, oh, you know, um, I would love to help you with that. But she was super busy. And I was like, listen, no problem. Like, do your thing. And I'll ask you again later. And she's like, absolutely touch base with me. But right now I can't even think about it. And I'm like, no problem. So over the years, I probably talked to her two or three times about it. And, you know, I was like, if you ever get a free minute, I, I would love to talk to you. And so finally this, you know, it's 10 years went by and I don't think I was actually ready to write. I think more things needed to happen in my life that would make me just go, all right, it's time. And I was just kind of accumulating my ideas of how I wanted this to go. Um, but the one thing in the back of my mind that I always adored was Jenna's humorous side. And I felt like, yes, I need to tell the story, but I need to make sure that I can enlighten people because Humor saved my life. Like we are great friends to this day. I love it. It's everything in terms of life. You can't take it too seriously. And, you know, you want to try to keep humor in your life so that, you know, it just softens the blow of every day. You know, if, if things are going bad, it's, it's good to just take it light at heart, you know? And so I try to do that and humor helps with that, I think. Oh my so, gosh, so true. I mean, if you can laugh, 
even if it's something so stupid and ridiculous, if you can laugh, it just totally takes your mind out of a dark, dark spot. That's right. And you got to be able to laugh at yourself, your mis you know, your mistakes, your, you know, just whatever it is. So anyway, I just knew that we needed some humor behind it. And so I loved her, just her personality and everything about her. So I finally did reach out to her um, 10 years later. This last January was when I started. Um, I had seen her on her TED Talk, which I didn't know she was even doing. And then once I watched that, I, I was like, this is meant to be. I, I need to contact her again. Yeah. So I reach out to her and we um I said hey are you super busy now and she's like no like what what is it you know so we I kind of poked at her a couple times and she's like okay let's let's talk like what is this story going to be about and I think part of it for Jenna if I can speak on her behalf I think she looked at me in a way that she thought like oh, what is she going to have to say? Like, I don't think it's going to be that interesting, maybe. I don't know. That's kind of what we talked about in the past. And she goes, that's really what I did think. I thought that this was going to be a story about, you know, this girl who has it all going for her and, and what's going to be interesting about that, you know? Yeah, totally. And, you know, actually, when she sent, Jenna reached out to me, he's like, hey, Kara, you know, you should have Aaron on your show. And I thought, okay, so some, you know, very famous wedding dress designer wants to be on the show. What am I going to ask her? And I was like, okay, Jenna, like, you know, send me a little bit of a, she sent me your bio and I started reading through it. And then we had a couple of conversations and I was like, oh my God, holy yeah. cow. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of, it wasn't what she thought. And so she's like, do me a favor and go ahead and write me like one little thing. And so the first thing I wrote her was, um, I was five years old the first time I slept outside by myself. And she read that and called me back immediately and was really beside herself, I think. And she was like, what? And I'm like, I know, I'm sorry, you know? I kind of like feel bad every time someone's gonna read something that's gonna like kill their heart. Um, but it's just what happened, you know? For me, it's, it's not really like, I lived and I'm good, everything's fine. But it's the writing that to her the first time where she was just like, whoa, what are you talking about? So then after she read the first thing, she's like, okay, write the next thing. I wanna see what else this is, tell me. And so I did write one more little, you know, vignette for her, like a little, blurb of what it was going to be the second thing and she called me back and she was like okay Aaron I this is this I, I need to know are you serious that you're going to write are you going to be able to do this she goes because I've worked with people before and people can become really flaky when they say they want to do something and I said you know I've been asking you this for years and I honestly don't want you to freak out but I I've waited I've waited because I need you I need your humor. I need your wit. I mean, she's like, are you positive you want me to write it? And I said, I'm positive. And she goes, okay, we're writing a book. She goes, I am writing this story. I have to write it. I have to write this story. And I said, okay, as long as you're sure. And she goes, as long as you're sure. And so we kind of cheers to it and we signed contracts the next day. So Amazing. I mean, you know what? You have to think about it too, because how in your mind, how does an extremely successful, very well-known, amazing wedding dress and all the bells and whistles that go with that designer come from a life of poverty, dysfunction, alcoholism, and abuse? I mean, your 
story is just so gritty. I actually told you in the beginning, I started reading it. I put it down and thought, no, this is, I have to dedicate a whole day to this book. Like yeah. I have to sit and read this book, the entire book from cover to cover. I mean, <laughs> for one whole day, because I, I would just be so drawn in. I wouldn't be able to concentrate on anything else. How, Erin, uh, how did you get through it? And how did you come to terms with it? You know, it's so funny. Um, I, that's a, such an open-ended question, right? Because like, you don't know, you only know what you know. And so in living it, um, was it easy? Absolutely not. Um, <clears throat> did we survive it? Yeah, we did. Um, but I think people naturally just do what it takes to survive. And that's literally all we knew. So you just do your every day and you try to do the best that you can and you try to be the best that you can um, during those times. And some of the times are a lot harder to visit in terms of going back to that than other times. Um, but I think deep down, my mom definitely loved me, but I just don't think there were a lot of capabilities for her back then because of uh, number one, the drinking was a big, big deal. That was, you know, a lot of it. But I think the death of my brother, um, for her, she sort of died when he died. Right. And she just couldn't come back. And she had two younger children, you know, th than him and then one older child. And she just wasn't able to come back. She was not able to come back. And in, in all reality, even before we moved there, there was a lot of um, dysfunction going on. There was a lot of drinking going on. There was just, you know, incredible amounts of, um, I think, irresponsibility for back then. So it just was what it was. And so I think you survive. And this is how I worded it later on is that I understood and knew that if I would just do the exact opposite of what I learned and what I saw and what I felt um, in those circumstances, I couldn't go anywhere but up. That's how I feel about it. Amazing. You know? Amazing. And it's, it's one of those things where that is the absolute truth. There is nowhere else to go. I mean, unless you were going to just give up and go kill yourself. I mean, I don't want to say that. I'm just saying it's, it's one of those things where it's so devastating and, and horrible. You either find happy or you're going the other way. There's only a couple choices. Right. So I think, um, you know, we've all gone through different times where we were, you know, having hardships or confusion or, you know, didn't know where we belonged um, in terms of a family. Um, and we all separated for a very long time. We, none of us were close because we all just kind of went our separate ways. And and I think Jenny had her time where she just, you know, went her way and then Pat went his way. And we literally all didn't speak for a very long time. Um, but now we are all back together. And I think in many ways, um, this the, the whole idea of, of everything and everybody coming back together is actually really super amazing. I feel really lucky that we've all been able to um, come together again. I agree because, you know, and when you said Jenny, that's Jenny is your sister because we were sister. talking about Jenna before. Um, let me tell you, I, I read 
the cover, of course. And when I read, you know, that it's heartbreaking and hilarious in equal parts, and that it's a, a how not to parent manual, I thought, <laughs> oh my God, this is just, you have taken this horrific abuse, horrific story and horrific beginning to a whole nother place in your life. And you have children, right? I do. I have a um, 17 year old daughter that um, is amazing. And I have an 11 year old daughter as well. And so so did they read the book or they, they knew these stories or? Isabella is reading the book now. Um, she's in the middle of reading it and Holland uh, is not able to read it. I will not have her read it for a while. She's going to have to be like 16 or 17 when she reads it. Because, Excellent. you know, what's cute about Holland is she's super interested in it and loves, wow, mom, this is going on. And I have allowed her to read certain sections, but there's a lot of areas that I will not allow her to see. So um, it, it's even hard for me to allow Isabella to see it because in all actuality, I've always kept my life very private. I have never, ever shared um, these stories with anybody. It's all been just something that I kind of kept under lock and key. You know, you share little bits of things that happen to you over your lifetime, but when you're getting into the nitty gritty um, things of this nature, um, it, it was definitely something that was under lock and key. But literally, I might be like, listening to someone talking and they might be talking about something as random as like fleas, for instance, like something as random as like, Oh, my dog has a flea. Okay. So when someone else says that and I hear someone say that it's like, Oh yeah, my dog has fleas. But what comes into my mind when someone says that is a completely, I, I always say like, if you line 10 people up and they were allowed to look in my head at what that means to me when you say my dog has fleas, nobody would believe it. Right. It's absolutely incredible. So it's, it's, I was like, I have to write this because this is, this is crazy. Like this, some of the stuff here is just, it's so unbelievable that it should be shared so that other people can either laugh at it or they can make sense of it or they can align with it and say that happened to me too. Um, and it's really funny because since we've written this, we've had a lot of advanced reader, uh, you know, copies that we did allow people that were very in our close circle and just outside the circle, people have read it. And people have, it's the strangest thing because people have reached out every day. I get a text or three or five from all different people. And they're like, I'm at work sitting at my desk bawling. You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I, that's why I said I stopped. I was like, first of all, I, I feel extremely honored and privileged to have a copy of it. But I'm, I'm just like, I, I had to stop because I'm like, I'm not going to be able to get through this interview if I read through this whole book now, because I'm just going to be like a mess and want to yeah. say to you, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And that would be the interview. Well, and that's the thing. It's, it's interesting. So I, what I feel that I love about it is that everybody that has written me or written Jenna, everybody has gotten something different out of it from different chapters. Cause they're all really short, tiny little chapters about things that happen. You know, one of them for instance is my silly cat that will make you laugh because he slept in my mother's cast iron frying pan on the stove. It was a she, I'm sorry. Her name was Cindy and she slept in the frying pan on the stove. And one day she, 
she was popping babies out like right and left. And one of the stories is that one day we all came home and walked in the house and she had a litter of kittens on the stove in the frying pan. Oh my God. It was actually the coolest thing to see, but it's hysterical. Right? Oh my <laughs> Come on. Gosh. In the cast iron frying pan on the stove. And it's not like my mom threw it away because we didn't have any money. All, all we had was what we had, you know? She's going to throw that away or, or, but isn't it funny that like is unhygienically clean? Is, <laughs> isn't, oh and, she, did she throw the pan away? No, we made fried chicken in it the next day. So that's <laughs> where the funny shit happens. And you just go, oh my God, mom made fried chicken in that the next day. Do you remember? And we just laugh because that is crazy. That is, it's so crazy <laughs> that to me that you have such a mindset about it because you know what here's the deal i mean here's the real gig everybody has their shit right you and i've talked about this everybody has a trunk somewhere in their soul that you kind of open up and you drop stuff and you close that lid real fast and lock it down and you don't want anybody to know any of it you don't want to you don't want to go through it but seriously you pop the trunk and just let everything fly and that just is amazing to me I did the good, bad, and the very, very harsh. And, you know, while some of that, I know I thought about it and I'm like, Oh my gosh, how am I going to like date anybody? Like after, I'm not going to say everybody's going to read it. I'm not saying that, but it's going to be weird if someone did. And then like, you're sitting there talking to them and they know that blankety blank and you're like, Oh Lord. Yeah. So that part of it, I guess I didn't really care. Because I figured if someone's going to like me, they're going to like me for me either way. And they're going to love knowing me on that level because it's all real. And that's just what it is. And I, I feel like I'm a very real person. I grew up ha being forced to sweep mountains of shit under a carpet. And I am not good at that at this point in my life. And I've always been a little bit like this. If, if there's something going on, make sure that you figure it out before you bring it to me because I will expose it in terms of, um, you know, pulling the carpet out and making a mess. That doesn't bother me. I'd rather figure it out and like get it out there and, and make it clean again and make it nice so that we can be honest and real. That's, that's what I care about. But in my life as a child, I was so forced to number one, be quiet and basically be non-existent, be invisible and not, say anything or ask questions don't dare ask a question um you exist and that is it and don't don't question that you know just do it and so like even when kelly died no one said a word to us he's my brother that i absolutely adored and was devastated thinking he was coming home and he was never coming home. And that was so devastating. And they didn't tell us. And we didn't get to go to the funeral. And we finally overheard and figured out what happened, my sister and I. And it was completely devastating. But never, ever, once, ever did we have a conversation about that until later when my mom was, you know, devastated and just sobbing over it. But then I'm not even supposed to know. And so what do you do with all of this information as a kid? And one of the things that I felt was so important about this book was, um, and I've expressed this in my life um, from other people who have had children that died. And I've said, um, you know, 
did you explain what this is to the siblings, to your daughter? And um, they were like, we, we aren't really sure what to say. And I'm going to say, well, I want to tell you something. I was the little girl who had a brother died and no one said a word. So you have to tell her and you have to help her feel better. Like you have to. Whatever it takes, maybe cry with her, maybe do whatever you have to do, but you have to tell her so she can get rid of it too. She has to, she has to mourn it and she has to feel it and she has to, you know, get through this and you have to bring it up. And so I feel really, really strongly, you know, about that side of it as well. So, um, cause that was very harsh and it was a very hard time for me because, you know, you, you just don't know what to do and there's a lot of emotion attached to death you know oh my gosh i can't even imagine and i i think that is such an important important piece of this because who knows maybe that's a children's book down the line but there's so many times that when you're a parent you think that you're doing the right thing you think that that you're not talking about it or you're just giving a kind of a blank blase answer just to try to get the question answered and you don't have to deal with it but children have a right to know and they have a right to try to understand and to grieve and that's such an important message yes you're so right and the other thing about that is that so many times um when we were younger people don't really know how to deal with death and so dealing with death with adults is even hard people don't even want to bring it up or say like oh how are you doing it's so important to ask someone after someone's died how they're doing it's so important no people just don't understand sometimes or how to behave in front of someone that's had something traumatic happen to them but for kids i think it's even more so because their little hearts are so um, like, what just happened? Is that going to happen to me? And there's a lot of questions that go on mentally um, with children. Um, so one of the things in the book is that I had major, major anxiety after my brother died because I felt like I was going to die next and nobody told me any different. And I was confused and I had, um, I would get all these symptoms because I was bringing it on myself. It was like completely like terrible self-prophecy of me just saying like, oh my gosh, maybe I, my eye is closing and maybe this is happening and it sounds crazy, but I did that to myself. I made myself ill. Right. Because I just automatically assumed that because it happened to my brother, it was definitely going to happen to me. And then my mom was so ill on top of it. My mom was just extremely ill. She ended up leaving us for a good month. Um, and so then I was stuck with my stepdad who did not like any of us and, um, you know, dealing with all the death and then my older brother left. So it was just my sister and I with my stepdad. And that was absolutely, we had to deal with the death of my brother without anybody really right so, just each other you just had yeah. each other it's each other and so anyway it's just very important for adults to you know have that serious conversation with kids once you know something that traumatic happens it's it's so crazy to me that the book the size of everything it's such your life story but if you were to look at um you know, Brides Magazine or any of the major, major publications you've been in or say yes to the dress and see any of your designs, you would never in a million years know that that's how you were raised. Oh, I, I know. I mean, I try not to. I've tried to always, you know, be very um, 
I, I, I don't know. It's, it doesn't define me, and I never wanted it to define me. I just wanted to do better and be better and, you know, try to put it behind me and make a, a life for myself that I could be proud of. And, and that's that's really all it is. That's what you've done because, you know what, <laughs> your book is exactly what it says on the back. It, it just goes to show you that where you came from is not where you're going or not where you have to end up. It's true. And, and you know, there's a lot of things going on in this world now, too, I think that is so um, profound in terms of, like, everything that the book covers. It covers, you know, drug overdose. It covers suicide. It covers um, child abuse. It covers child neglect. Um, and it covers, you know, just so many different areas of this world, you know, of relevant things that are happening now. And I do think it was a good time. I don't know. I don't know why it was time for me to write it, but it really, really was time. Um, and I think it does come out at a time where people need it more than ever, you know, with everything that's going on, the Me Too movement. Um, it, it covers bullying as well. Um, a big source of, you know, my life in the book talks about the bullying and, and it was, that was really tough as well, you know? So I think it comes out at a time where it's very relevant because it covers so much ground in terms of, you know, all the different, you know, things that are going on. And, and I think that was one of the other reasons I really wanted to write it was because I felt like if it can help even one person, um, uh, just to have better understanding and not be so hard on themselves and, and take themselves a little bit more lightly. Um, I think that that was a huge reason why I wanted to write it. And I was really hopeful that it could just really touch people. I, I just can't, I, I can't say how it can't. And I'll tell you what, I have to be completely honest with you because I haven't read the entire book, but when I saw that W Bruce Cameron made a comment about, you know, astonishing and beautifully written. This guy has written like one of the top bestseller books ever. I mean, I mean, it just like blew my mind. I'm like, wow, like the accolades that you've gotten on this book are just amazing. I know it blew my mind too. I mean, I don't know any of those people. So that's, it, it is amazing. It's been amazing for me. Um, and I have to say, that a lot of that has to do with Jenna. Her writing um, abilities are so beautiful. And I feel like at some point um, we did this together. Like we literally, I felt like there were times when she was holding my hand and we were walking through some of the scariest parts of my life together. And I, I felt like I was like, okay, well, if you're going to walk it with me and we're doing this together, I'm going to go in, but you're not going to like it. And, and the truth was, it was very, very difficult. There were times I did not know how I was going to finish what I started. And there were times when I regretted saying, okay, we'll do it. Right. You know, because we were so far in, there's no way I could turn back. But I really didn't realize the things that I was going to have to touch on um, all the way, like going all the way in. Um, I just didn't realize I was going to have to go to those places and it was very, very hard, and but we did it together, and I was so grateful because sometimes I felt like Jenna was me because the way I would tell her the story and the way that I wrote it for her, and then she'd go, okay, go in and read it, and I'd read it, and I'd be like, you captured the emotion, you, you captured everything that needed to be touched, you know? 
because the book is very emotional and I wanted you to feel my emotion and I wanted you to feel my emotion as a little child, not as me today, as me as that little child. I wanted you to know what I was thinking and what my head was saying while this was happening because it was just some of it's so unbelievable, but you don't know that until you're out of it. You don't know that it's unbelievable until later on when you're talking about it and someone's like, you know, that's really messed up, right? And then you do know it because you understand it and you learn as a mother and as um, a friend, these things are not normal. And I knew they weren't normal growing up. I knew that I was different. I just didn't know why. I, that's the honest truth of it. I had no idea why I was so different or why I had to sit at the back of the class or, you know, cause I was in trouble. I wasn't like in trouble in trouble, but I did get in trouble and I wouldn't do my work because my mind wasn't there. My mind was completely somewhere else. I was wondering what I was going to have for dinner and who was going to do this or, you know, my mind was just in so many different places that I was horrible at school. I did horrible, <laughs> you know, and I was wondering who was going to beat me up after school. Like, is it going to be the three boys or is it going to be two boys or is it going to just be one boy today? You know, who's going to beat me up? I, I just need to know this. And so that occupies a child's head like nothing else. So, you know, as I got older, I was so like, gosh, go easy because this is why. This is why, this is not normal. And so some of those things, um, many of them were the reasons behind writing it. I think that that was um, very influential in, you know, once I took notice of like all the things that were so different from all of my friends' lives, I was like, this has to, I have to write this, you know? And so over the years I did write little pieces and, and I tried it, but then I was like, I, I really don't know what I'm doing and I need to find somebody who does. And that's what I waited for, for Jenna, because she is an absolutely incredible writer and I feel so grateful that she trusted me and believed in me. I'm, so. just, I'm just amazed and, and you know what, just listening to you talk about it, like I can envision the sidewalk and you coming out of the school and it's just an incredible, incredible story of survival and love and a strength and everything that people need to hear nowadays. And, and I feel like the fact that you've written it and the fact that you were so open and honest and I'm so thankful and grateful to Jenna for reaching out to me that it's going to help so many people and not just adults, but children, because, you know, teens, there's so much confusion in the world and your mind is separated in so many compartments anymore. Like it used to be, you know, home and then work or school and, and church and family but there's so much going on we're so connected now it's difficult to to get a grasp on things and i think you're bringing a lot of that that out to the light that these children are very confused and their minds are occupied with things far beyond what we understand right. and the other thing i think that's super important is you know, it's so important for us in schools to bring emotional awareness to other kids. And I think we're doing a really a much better job of it than we did back in the 70s um, of emotional awareness and being kind to the to the kid that, you know, you, you're not really sure what's wrong, but you know, something's wrong. And now they do the the bench where, you know, if you're, you don't have anyone to play with, go sit on the bench and, and somebody should come and sit next to that person. So we're trying to teach our kids more emotional awareness in the schools. Um, 
But I still think bullying is, especially with all the online junk now and all the Instagram and whatever, you know, we have to do a better job. We, we have a responsibility if we're going to have all that stuff out there. We have to have the responsibility of, of really watching out for our kids um, on those, um, you know, social media, everything, because bullies, bullying doesn't just mean beating someone up after school anymore. It means, you know, stripping them of who they are, or putting them down in, in terrible ways. So um, while we have spread um, and started really working on emotional awareness, I think we have to do more. And I think that that's such an important um, topic to touch on um, in regards to this book as well. So I think that uh, I would love to just, you know, really have something like that embraced. I feel like they should have something in schools where it's that's a required class, emotional awareness for our children. That's not a bad idea. That's getting along in the world. And that's socially teaching someone what is correct behavior and what's incorrect behavior. So um, that is a very, very important part for me. I agree. I agree 100%, especially when every other day you open up the news and you see that some young kid has killed himself because he was bullied in school. Right. or she was bullied in school, or they were bullied online. It's right. such a difficult, difficult yeah. situation to, to monitor. But as a parent, it's your responsibility to monitor it. It's so true. And I think it's the teacher's responsibility as well, because they do have all the iPads and kids have emails at school now. They're allowed to have that. Um, so, but I, I do, I feel like emotional awareness could really, really build you know, we'd be teaching kids to grow up and just be kind people. That's what we would be teaching them. Yes, all the other studies are super important, but you're going to have people that are going out into the world and these kids are going to be the ones running our country. And it's it's really important to, to start teaching more love in school. It really is. I agree a thousand percent. Well, I can't, Aaron, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to be on our show. I mean, all the success in the world is coming to you. I know this, this book is amazing. I, I'm going to be the first person on the first seat online when this is a movie because I know it's going to be a movie. I mean, it's amazing. I think you've done a, an incredible job of shining a light on such very, very difficult topics. And I have to, again, thank Jenna for reaching out to me. Jenna, you're going to be on the show next, and we're going to muscle you in there, Aaron and I, whether you want to be or not. Um, thank Love you it. so That's very great. much. Thank you. thank you so much for having me. It's been wonderful talking to you. I, I adore you. You guys are my new um, hot points. I'm going to be calling. We're going to be texting. We're going to be buds. Thank you. We love it. Thank you so much. All right. We will talk very soon. Thank you so much. And my love to you both. All best to you. Have a good day. You too. Bye-bye. The One Tough Mother Podcast. Real talk with amazing women who have worked their way to the top and want to share their real life lessons with you. Well, Seth, I think this is going to end the show. I mean, I know we're ending it different this week, but what do you think? No, I, I agree. It's uh there's a lot to take in. She's uh, uh it's yeah, it's 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 an emotional show. You know, it takes a lot really seriously to break me down, but reading Aaron's book and listening to the level of understanding, love and passion that she owns and openly shares with the world just rocked me. It really did rock me. I mean, Aaron's story is 
not, well, I'm not going to take that back. It's not even a story. Aaron's real life lesson is as deep and dark as the ocean. I mean, at times it's really tough to read and certainly unimaginable to live through. Yet she wraps it all in like a magical, empowering, positive package. And it's laced with humor and taped together with unbelievable compassion for the people who did it wrong. I mean, how do you get over that? That's, uh, I don't know. She's just a super strong woman and that's why she's on the show. Yeah. I mean, I'll be honest. I was in awe of her strength, her, her wisdom and feel thoroughly honored that we've had the opportunity to share in her life and promote her book, the size of everything on our show. I mean, Aaron, we have to say to you, I'm going to always carry with me the mantra where you come from does not determine where you go. And thank you for forever changing us by sharing your story. I also wanted to say this, Seth, we have a new gig on the website because our magical, mystical director of media came up with this great idea. I mean, Christine from Clever Crow, who does all of our beautiful art and our site said, hey, Let's make a one tough mother mo you know movement on the Facebook page. I mean, she thought it would be a great idea, and I I a thousand percent agree with her that we add like a group, a one tough mother movement group, where you can come on and tell us how you feel about our shows, how we interact with each other, and share your own real life lessons. I mean, it's very right. Yeah, and. It it's awesome. As well as people can like comment back to, and forth to each other. But it has to be with like kindness and compassion. And it has to be considerate to each other. I, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not, we're not going to put up with, you know, any bullying or anything like that. So we, we're going to ask you, come on to the One Tough Mother Facebook page and join us in this movement because we want to inspire like kindness and, and, motivation so with that i'm gonna say mother says is here what do you think bring it okay here it is we all have to decide what to do with the time we're given so decide wisely you know we don't have a lot of time really if you think about it seth thanks for reminding yeah. me and we have to decide what we're going to do with it i mean you're the only one that really makes that decision. You decide what you do and where you stay and how you're going to get things done. So decide wisely. And we want to thank Maxi Climber for being our sponsor. You guys have been incredible. I still love doing it. And everybody who listens, thank you. Thank you for your support and your love and your comments. Go to my Instagram page, one tough mother underscore. Thank you for making incredible motivating, inspiring comments on all my posts about Maxi Climber and how well I'm doing and how well I'm not doing some days. And in the meantime, love to everyone. Come back next week. We have another amazing show. Have a great week, everybody. America. 
We are endowed by our Creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. To serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come, find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu.